Haunted UK podcast Short Haunts is produced and released in stereo. Listening through an environment such as headphones or stereo speakers will ensure you get the best experience. Here at Haunted UK Podcast Towers, we're committed to giving you high-quality, great episodes, time after time after time. But this takes a lot of effort in research, writing, editing, recording, mixing, mastering and publishing. We don't have a fancy production company or a bank of scriptwriters, or a large budget to keep everything going. We are a fully independent podcast. If you'd like to help the show, then why not get over to Coffee and search for the Haunted UK Podcast, where you can subscribe to give just £3 per month, the price of a coffee, or as much as you like. If you'd rather not sign up for a monthly subscription, then you can simply make a one-off donation. Again, as little or as much as you like. This really helps the show with our website, coffee membership, merchandise, equipment, as well as other financial commitments. So, if you feel that you'd like to keep the lights burning, the wheels turning and the stories rolling, then why not consider getting over to coffee and donating to the show? That's KO hyphen fi and search for the haunted uk podcast thank you votes are now open for the listeners choice award at the british podcast awards if you enjoy the show we would be honored to have your vote you can cast your vote at www.britishpodcastawards.com this is the haunted uk podcasts Short Haunts. Welcome, dear listeners, to our series of short haunts. A shot of scary, just for you. So grab a hot chocolate, maybe a tea, maybe something stronger. Because this is Haunted UK Podcast's Short Haunts. This is the second episode in our series of short haunts. Would you get married here? And I think the answer would be a firm no. This short haunt regales the story of a family whose dreams of a successful business and blissful family life were shattered by unforeseen forces that wreaked havoc upon them until the family finally fled the house which they thought would bring them lifelong happiness. Let's begin by getting a feel for the history of the house in this story and its past inhabitants. 
There has been some type of habitable residence where Clifton Hall now stands since its mention in the Doomsday Book in 1086. The site of the hall was strategically chosen because of its lofty location overlooking the River Trent, making it much easier to defend against any forces trying to take it over. It wasn't until around 1778 that complete rebuilding would take place, leaving us mostly with the hall that we see today. At the time, the owner of the house, Sir Gervais Clifton, saw a blank canvas and wanted a spectacular Georgian-style extravaganza built to not only show off his wealth, but to also show off the land which his property sat upon. He employed expert architect John Carr to work on the project and it was decided that the spectacular domed hall, as well as a few other sections of the house, should remain and just be remodelled instead of being demolished. As the years went by and family heirs came and went, the house slowly began to be sold off until finally, in 1958, Peter Thomas Clifton sold the hall and remaining parts of the Clifton estate at auction. This sale brought to an end a 700-year historical residence, and change would soon be on its way. After auction in 1958, the hall was converted into a grammar school for girls until its closure in 1976. It was then taken over by Nottingham Trent University and used as offices until being given the title of Trent Polytechnic until its closure in 2002. This was when the hall and its grounds were bought by a man named Czech White, who split the main building into two luxury residences, the North Wing and the South Wing. He also built several other houses on the site of the property. And so it is, listeners, that we have arrived at the point where I tell you one of the strangest and spookiest stories to ever take place at Clifton Hall. As with many tales of haunted houses and castles, the buildings seem completely fine. Until something happens. Until something takes place which appears to have an impact on the very fabric of the building itself. So many times, paranormal activity starts or increases when alterations are made to these buildings. New fireplaces, walls being knocked down, new heating systems being installed, all these modifications and more can have a drastic impact on the building's original layout. The stone tape theory, for instance, proposes that buildings can absorb memories into their very fabric. These memories can then be replayed when a trigger is activated, hence the reason why you may always see a certain ghost performing the same movements in the same place. The said trigger could be someone who is very sensitive to these types of phenomena. They may not even know it at the time, but as they enter a building which could have soaked up the energy of a past tragic event, that sensitivity to the energy in the building is automatically played back, like a video recorder replaying a movie. But what if you begin making alterations to these buildings? Is there the possibility that whatever is contained in the stone, the mortar, could be unleashed completely? So now, let's go back to 2007. Are you ready? Anwar Rashid, a wealthy businessman, purchased the south wing of the house in 2007 for £3.6 million 
with specific plans to live in a section of the house, whilst completely modernizing another section into a high-class wedding venue. The venue would have facilities such as a ballroom, dining areas and bars, and guests would have access to the grounds and beautiful gardens. Plans were drawn up, monies were exchanged, and Anwar, his wife Nabila, and their four children soon moved in. Almost immediately after settling in, things started to happen. Tapping and banging noises were heard. Doors, windows and cupboards would be open when the family knew they were closed. And lights would mysteriously switch on and off at random intervals. Workmen began to make a start on the renovations to the sections of the manor which would house the wedding facilities. But even they experienced difficulties such as power cuts, tools going missing then reappearing in other parts of the house, and strange voices being heard at all times of the day. Initially, the children were suspected of the majority of happenings. They were young, adventurous, mischievous, but even this explanation couldn't account for all the strange goings-on. After a matter of only a few days, the family decided to contact a local paranormal investigative group in the hope that they could shed some light into the unexplained events. The group held overnight vigils but failed to stop the haunting or even render a satisfactory explanation. The head of the paranormal group was quoted as saying, quote, This is the only place where I've ever really been scared. Even in the light of day, it's just got a really eerie feeling about it. End quote. Two events were to catapult the family into deciding to leave the mansion and abandon their plans. The first involved Anwar's wife, Nabila. She had awoken in the early hours to prepare milk for their youngest child and made her way downstairs and to the kitchen. On her way, she passed the living room and saw her daughter sitting in front of the TV watching the Cartoon Network. Nabila sighed to herself and completed the task that she'd set out to do, then made her way back up to bed. As she passed the living room again, she said to her daughter in a roundabout way, Come on now, it's late. Turn that off and get to bed. Her daughter turned slowly to face her and smiled a strange smile. Nabila continued upstairs and happened to look in her daughter's room. There was her daughter, fast asleep. So who, or what, was downstairs? After waking her husband up in a complete panic, they both went downstairs to find the TV off and the living room in darkness. What the f- What had just happened? Was this imagination? The mind playing tricks because of all the previous events? Hysteria, perhaps? The final straw came when after hearing their baby daughter screaming over the baby monitor, mum and dad rushed into the baby's room to find bloodstains over the bright white quilt in the baby's cot. The baby had no injuries. There were no stains on the ceiling to suggest that maybe something had leaked and dripped over the quilt. There wasn't an explanation. The next day, the family moved out. They had lasted just eight months. 
They stopped paying the mortgage to force the bank into repossessing the property and taking the house back off their hands. The family never went back, not even to collect their personal belongings or furniture. They paid a company to go in and collect everything. They even paid for workmen to restore any alterations that had been made, taking the house back to its original state. Anwar Rashid compared their experience of living in the house to that of a horror movie, saying, quote, We were like the family in The Others. The ghosts didn't want us to be there, and we could not fight them because we couldn't see them. The day we moved in, we had our first experience. We sat down in the evening to relax and there was a knock on the wall. We heard, Hello, is anyone there? We ignored it the first time. But two minutes later, we heard the man's voice again. Hello, is anyone there? I got up to have a look, but the doors were locked and the windows were closed. When we found red blood spots on the baby's quilt, that was the day my wife said she'd had enough. We didn't even stay that night. It was the last straw. We felt that they had come to attack us. It was really emotional. End quote. So what happened here? A haunting? A possession? A set of events faked to force the bank to repossess the property because the family couldn't afford it? You decide. But if you want to purchase the south wing of Clifton Hall, then it's currently on the market for £2.7 million. If you have the money, the pluck, the bravery to tangle with forces unseen, then you never know. The next owner of Clifton Hall's South Wing, and the subject of a short haunt, could be you. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. But do you have an interesting story which features the paranormal? If so, your story could be featured in our new series, Short Haunts. Please get in touch via email at hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com or Twitter at Haunted UK Pod, or on Instagram at Haunted UK Podcast. We're waiting for your stories. This episode was presented by Steve, produced by Blue Step Audio, and the script was edited by Marie Waller Proofreading. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show.